0: What are you two talking about? Oh, nothing.
1: Just the end of the world.
0: Hello, and welcome to a brand new episode of Who Pods a Watchman. I'm Grant. I'm Clay. And we are talking about episode five of the the series. This is the halfway point, Clay.
1: Yeah, we're more than halfway there.
0: Yeah. I know,
1: I know some people might have been wondering if we're doing a skit this time.
0: <laughs> is this a skit?
1: Did we get a lot of messages on the skit?
0: <laughs> uh, no. Okay, we got zero messages. <laughs> I, I feel like people just wanted to uh, forget that the skit never happened okay. and just move on with their lives. I'm sorry for doing that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm going to do more skits. So right. you guys are just going to have to deal with that. Suck it but we are talking about episode 5 of the podcast of the show little fear of lightning backwards you know? what yeah backwards i mean it was written backwards right it's pretty sweet i don't know what i didn't look up what little fear of lightning even refers to i don't know i need to check that in a second i don't know but yeah we're going to be uh discussing this episode And if you guys are new to the show, I mean, (laughs) welcome, checking out uh, episode five of us, but awesome. Glad to have you guys here. We are a weekly companion podcast for the Watchmen miniseries, and we like to do a breakdown and review. Every episode, we try to jump in about an hour after it, and it's always like this kind of quick scramble to get over here to the studio, here at Permanent Record Studios in Austin, Texas, and try to... um, Put everything together, figure out the videos, and, and then uh, put this all together. But we're here. Yeah, but it works. We're doing it. Yeah. And we're going to dive into this because I'm super excited. This was a, a Looking Glass episode.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. I think we all needed it. I think we all wanted it. And uh, we didn't have to wait too long. I mean, you know, I'm glad yeah. it didn't come at like episode seven. Five, right, I right, right. felt right.
0: Definitely. And uh, a little bit about this episode before we uh, start dissecting it. This was directed by Steph Green. Uh, Steph Green's worked on Billions, Preacher, The Deuce, The Americans, Luke Cage, You're the Worst. Quite the pedigree. <laughs> yeah, nice CV. Right? Yeah. That's a ton of awesome shows. Um, the writers for this week are Damon Lindelof and Carly Ray. Mm-hmm. And Carly Ray is also the uh, co-executive producer on this show, um, was a producer as well over on Leftovers for the third season. Holy smokes. And Westworld season two. Holy smokes. Um, she's also been a writer on some of the greatest shows of all time, Leftovers. We both are huge fans. Frasier. Mad Men. No Frasier on oh. <laughs> uh, Mad Men, Constantine Mindhunter, Bastard Executioner. Just a huge list of of, yeah. of great works. And we're really excited because cross your fingers – we might actually get an interview with her um, in a couple of days.
1: You don't say. Yeah. You know what my first question is going to be? What? We're. I mean, because you're going to list that, right? kind <laughs> T- of introduce her.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, oh, just the, the right. List I mean, of the interview. All the things.
1: And then my first question is going to be like, "What's your work-life balance like? <laughs> that's, that's, that's do you weird. do you have work-life balance with all that? Well, I. I mean, I it's don't,
0: important to know. She's she's uh, taking a little bit of time out of work. To balance for an interview with us. Right. There you go. So uh, if we have that, we are excited to be able to post that later in the week. Uh, Speaking of uh, posting things later in the week, we did want to tell you guys that, yeah, if you guys have been uh, subscribing to us, you already know this. But we do encourage everyone else to go ahead and subscribe to our channel because we do like to do additional content in addition to just us talking about the episode. Later in the week, we will touch upon some other Uh, Deeper theories and discussion. We did a little. We did a phone call, which the audio was bad, and the audio was bad on our last week's episode. Yeah, apologies for that. Yeah, that's no good. We're figuring it out. Yeah, we're. uh, When I say we, you, you should be figuring it out. Well, I know what the problem was. We've we've since fixed it, Uh so things should be a lot better now. Good, but yeah, we do these little mini episodes. We were talking a lot about theories of of Lady Trio and um, what's going on with Adrian Veidt. I did a little mini. For our patrons, another way you guys can help us out is patreon.com slash Who Pods the Watchmen. And we've we've been getting a a good amount of people that have been subscribing, uh, signing up lately. Nice. Very, very encouraging. We appreciate all the support. Yeah. Um, We've been trying to do many um, additional little uh, shows and snippets and things for them. Right. Uh, I did a little show where I was discussing uh, the moon and Vietnam and uh, I was doing a, a recap of what's been going on over at P2Pedia. Okay. Um, you wrote an article.
1: I do, yeah. I'm writing articles now.
0: Uh, you wrote an article on our site that was a comparison between Silence and The Watchmen. Yeah,
1: probably the first comparison people have done on those two movies.
0: <laughs> would would, you, would you, do you think so? <laughs> I, would, I would
1: guess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, if anybody liked it or if they didn't like it, just know to either read it Or don't read things like that in the future. Because I will be
0: putting them out. (laughs) It's up to you if you want to waste time. Well, I appreciated it. Uh, And hopefully our patrons did well. Um, We want to give a couple uh, shout-outs to some of our uh, latest patrons. Thank you to Angelica, Austin Ken, Fernando Rodriguez, Jasmine Quinones, Joe Johnson, and Philip Lay. Awesome. Yeah, we know Phil, Motley Crew. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's uh, we're, we're glad to have all you guys as patrons. Thank yeah. you so much for your patronage. Once again, if you guys want to help us out, that's patreoncom slash watchman. Okay, are we done? Are we done with all this? We're done with the plugs. What did you What would you think about the episode? Okay, the plot of the episode, real quick, is they they wrote the origin story of Looking Glass is revealed as the truth behind the greatest hoax in American history, as is the greatest hoax. And the smartest man in the world plots a daring es- escape. Escape. I can't say that word. Yeah. Uh what did I think? Loved it. It yeah. was brilliant.
1: Yeah. I loved it. I mean, pure joy. I I kind of was thinking, it's funny that they started with the 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 kind of radio tuner at the beginning, right? Right. Because it really felt like Lindelof, and I, I mean this is cheesy as hell, but Lindelof really like dialed it in. This felt like a. You, you think he dialed it in? He di- well. I mean, he dialed in like pure off No, I mean he didn't like phone it in, call it in, mail okay. it in. That's why I thought you Dialed it. in his quality and got it like per. It just felt like a classic Lost episode.
0: He was fine tuning. Yeah. He was fine tuning it. I
1: mean, and it was awesome. Like you know, he found his uh, the pacing and just kind of, um, the way things were revealed didn't it feel like a Lost episode. Yeah, I mean it. Just felt fun. It was a lot of fun. Well, we it definitely was... got like a, like you know the
0: flashback kind of quality, right? That, yeah, that a lost episode has. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I mean, it was kind of like these these little snippet flashbacks, and then of course you know more and more is revealed as you go on. What what, what do you think about this? Oh, about the drink? About the cider? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, what is this? this yeah, is... I don't know.
0: You you didn't want you didn't want the cider at first. You balked at it. It's Argus cider, um, Lagard cider. Uh huh. Right on. Yeah. And I just took first sip and it was great. This is out of Austin, Texas. We're Inspired, out of Austin, but Texas. As well. We are, we are out of it and we are
1: in it. And uh, anyway, we're drinking cider in it. Yeah, this felt like a real lost episode. Um, I thought the soundtrack was kick ass. I thought this really felt to me like almost just like, like kind of like the uh, what was the what was the lost episode? What was it called? The Constant or whatever? Yeah. I mean, it's just one you remember. This one I think is one I'll remember. And I really felt I think I was telling you this before. You know, after. What? I mean, I, I know I joined on a couple of weeks later or in, into it, but, you know, that's about nine or 10 weeks of looking at the comic books for mm-hmm. me. Right. And then now it's four weeks and then maybe a couple of weeks in between. But that's like three or four months of like taking notes each week and really kind of like diving in. In this episode, I really thought I just want to be a fan and just sit down and watch it, you know. And so I didn't take any notes during the uh, during the show. And this was like an awesome episode to do that, too, because it was just fun. It was just like a popcorn fun episode. I'm actually
0: a little jealous that you just were just sat down and, and soaked it in. Yeah, because I was just constantly like pausing, taking notes, Wikipedia, pausing, taking notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. checking out whether that was. Oh, was that a reference to this? Yes. You're good at that though. Um, which is. A very enjoyable way for me to watch it. But you know, also just kind of unplugging and just soaking in and basking in an episode. I basking think basking in George Michael. In <laughs> a little bit of careless whisper. I yeah. think there's, there's something to be said for that. And yeah. and maybe uh maybe I was limiting myself a little bit. But you know, nevertheless, my hot take. Yeah. I thought this was a, a powerful study on um character for looking glass. I think they did a lot of um <laughs> pretty big reveals plot-wise yeah. about like what's been going on. Like, We have a lot more insight into Senator Keene and into the 7th Cavalry and what their mission might be. We have um, answers into uh, what happened with Judd. I mean, we yeah, already have yeah. a, a much better idea of Judd and his alliances now. And I, I think a lot of that is is kind of um, queuing things up. Like, I, I heard that by the seventh episode of this, this is nine episodes by the seventh episode, it was going to pretty much be in a place where, all right, we've, we've established a lot of the, we're starting to wrap up and do info dumps and like, yeah, um, solidify what the plot was. And now we're just kind of moving toward the finish line. And I feel like this episode already did a lot of the heavy lifting while doing it so gracefully and doing this really introspective study on the character of a uh, a lovely and damaged man. And <laughs> it's funny that I think we we should
1: have expected that. You know, I mean, looking back on it now, mm. he he wasn't a bunker when we saw him last week. You know, and we and he was taking and developing photos of squids.
0: We we you
1: yeah you could already tell that this guy is – you could already tell but I didn't I don't think I spent enough time thinking about that you know and now of course it all makes sense and I love that they visited it and did it in such a way that like you said but they it was a really deft approach you know I don't know it just felt good the
0: idea that he is a tinfoil hat wearing conspiracy nut mm-hmm. literally yeah. he wears this foil which um I, I wrote down the name but I forgot what it exactly patent was called. pending from EDS yeah extra dimensional security. Um, Yeah, uh, he wears foil lined hats and he has his mask, which block out psychic waves. And that's mm. what allows him to sleep easier. But before, like, I just want to, I want to jump in and talk about that cold opening. Yeah. This was so exciting because we jumped into the world of the Watchmen comic. I'm pointing over your shoulder here to the Watchmen comic, which is uh, right there behind you. And that – this was 1985. We're, we're This is taking place in Hoboken, New Jersey, just uh, just south of the river from New York City. And so he was in the psychic blast radius when yeah. all this is going down. But this is also happening within the world that we were already so used to when we were dissecting the comic. Yeah. It was so cool. It was, like, a, it was a walk down memory lane. Maybe – I don't know if you were catching all of the little Easter egg details, but they were – Throwing them in a yeah. plenty. Yeah. You had the lovers kissing. Mm-hmm. That was the um, blasted into the wall spray paint graffiti um, scene that you see later in yeah. the comic throughout. Um, you have the person sitting down reading the Black Freighter comic with the va- the Vite method. The Vite method, uh, right? Advertised on the back of it. Uh, you have uh, the Top Knot gang mm-hmm. who ends up harassing young Wade before. Mm-hmm. Uh, before um, he goes with the girl into the the house of mirrors. Later, we had a reference to uh, pale horse. Pale horse's pale horse poster was on the wall with the crystal knocked. Yeah, uh, concert that they were putting on. Yeah, and yeah, there's more like pale horse ends up getting revisited in this mm-hmm. episode as well. Mm-hmm. But it was just like it felt like they had such a rich playground to build that that scene yeah. with and they were just having fun with it. It was
1: cool. It really it really felt like a carnival. I mean for viewers, you know what I mean, and for people who had read the comic. I mean, I know it was set in a carnival, but it was also just a carnival for us. It was cool.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It was it was a, a feast for our eyes. And there is also such a joy and and revelry in the 80s-ness of that scene. Yeah. We have Wade as this this young earnest guy who who's shy but trying to you know put on airs that he's a little tougher. He's he's going out there. He and he's trying the to word. proselytize yeah. for. I'm guessing the Latter Day Saints or some sort of uh, religious equivalent, that um, a religious um, doctrine that they're trying to, to proselytize in in the wake of the Doomsday Clock.
1: They were in the whores den or however they they put it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> the sinners yeah. den or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But the fact that they're going around and. He's he's um, he's he encounters these bad kids. It felt like this, like, sort of like throwback 80s movie where he's the, he's the good, honest kid who's going to help change their mind. And and oh no, this is where Daniel, Danny LaRusso gets in a fight with the bad kids, but right. the girlfriend absconds with him and takes him to the house of mirrors and like maybe maybe they're gonna find true love maybe this is like uh revenge of the nerds or something right that's not true love <laughs> revenge of the nerds you know yeah that anyway, one's actually okay. a really dicey scene yeah but but in this case i i like that like the music was cued up there's careless whisper <laughs> playing and it felt like ah uh, the the cool confident girl's taking the geeky guy and she's gonna take him to Pleasure Town and the yeah. House of Mirrors. Instead, she robs him. Totally. And how that sequence of events totally sets up who Looking Glass is uh-huh. from then on, I, I thought it was so expertly done. The The damage that he felt from that, um, the the trust issues that he clearly has, the abuse from from women, I guess, but I wouldn't say like in a misogynist way, he, he was necessarily showing it. But I think that he, he just has extreme trust issues and maybe intimacy issues as a result. And he keeps kind of reliving that and that kind of plays a factor into who he is and his paranoia. And that in yeah. conjunction with the psychic blast.
1: Well, two things. I mean, you know, first, whenever she you know, if you're gonna lose your if you're gonna lose your clothing, right? And you yeah. have to run out of a fun house in, in New Jersey. Pretty much naked. He might have had his shoes on. I don't know. I mean, kind of thankful for the psychic blast. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, like
0: this, this couldn't
1: have worked out better. It's a distraction. You know, like you need a big distraction. No one's gonna see my dick. Because you're right. That's the difference between this and an eighties movie. In an eighties movie, he would run out and just like kind of like this and be sheepish. Here, nobody even noticed. <laughs> so I was kind of thinking. Got I was kind of like, thinking. Okay, cool. This worked out for him. You know, it worked out for him. Uh, two. What she says to him, the question she she poses to him whenever she's saying, so are you afraid, blah, blah, blah. And then he says, no, 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 right? Because he's thinking, well, you know, I walk with like the confidence of the Lord and everything like that. And if I do die, then I'm in the Lord's good graces or whatever. That's how I took that, right? He mm-hmm. kind of has that, that Christian confidence about him. And so then she asks him really succinctly, what are you afraid of? And we dealt with that question the entire episode. What are you afraid of? What is this anxiety? How do you overcome it? How do you deal with it? How do you ignore it, right? And— that really that that question when you look back at it, and I didn't take notes, but that kind of stuck with me, you know. And so then when I did take notes later, when we were kind of getting ready for this real quick, like that's the central theme for of this, right? And it it does show, and it do, we kind of get to explore that how it plays out. And of course, it plays out in this kooky, crazy world that uh, Lindelof has built, and Alan Moore's built. But I think that's the central question. And it was kind of cool to have that like that that structure, that framework for this episode, because you know I think. You know, really quickly, like, I was getting lost a little bit in episode four and three. You know, just I just thought a lot was going on. Right. And we had a shit ton of stuff go on here, too, right? I mean, now we have these governmental conspiracies and we have all this stuff going on. We saw the 7th Cavalry again. There was a ton going on.
0: But but it felt a little bit more comfortably contained yeah. in, in the vision of his particular story. Two things.
1: What are you afraid of and is there anything that's true? Those right. are the two central questions
0: and things that were said. So, really cool. The idea of fear, like what you fear, also came back up again with Adrian Veidt's master plan, and that's exactly what he did to everyone. That's the central theme of of the show itself, or at least, or or even grander than that, the Watchmen itself is um, fear of each other, fear of yourself, fear of the other, Mm -hmm. Um, and. The squid attack was meant to draw fear in a new direction, a new focus, so that you are no longer fear, uh, afraid of your neighbor in another country with a bomb. Mm-hmm. You guys could all come together and collaborate and because your there's weapons. There's a bigger threat over yonder. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there's there's an extraterrestrial threat. Yeah, right. And so, extra, yeah, you're right. Transdimensional, extra dimensional, tra- transdimensional. Threat. You know. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and I just want to say this too. Was it, I don't know if it was the phone call we did, which again, sorry for the bad audio, or it was last episode, which sorry again for the bad
0: audio. <laughs> we gotta stop apologizing. We yeah, seem unprofessional. Uh, yeah, man.
1: right. Um, but you or Steve Jones, fucking Steve Jones, Steve Jones, one of y'all or both were right about the mirror scene and the nostalgia pills.
0: Uh, yeah, Steve Jones. Well. Yeah, Steve Jones was uh, elaborating on the pills themselves being a- Nostalgia a linked, pills. A nostalgia pill to, a linked to uh, of past history. He called it. Yeah. Um, And that, that ties right into what Hooded Justice was saying, or <laughs> uh, Will yeah, Reeves was saying- uh, Last week when he was talking about how th- those are to help with his memory. Those are his memory pills, but right. you know, he wasn't fully being dishonest, but- That was him being able to dive back into his memories from his past somehow. Yeah, They're they're pills that are very central to him and his biology, his DNA. How they're able to take one's lived experiences and extract from that memory pills that you can bask in and relive is fascinating, especially when we think about the fact that um, Lady Trio's daughter was on that IV drip, and then wakes up with these these flashback memories of of Vietnam. So, right. whatever medicines she's being injected with is presumably some other s- sort His of synthetic l- liquid yeah, form. Yeah, form of yeah nostalgia, and it's playing off of are those her memories, or are those someone else's memories that she wants her to live through? And what does yeah. this mean for the bigger end game? Can you can you dose this medicine out on a larger global scale perhaps yeah not through medicine but through a millennium clock
1: holy smokes kind of give everybody micro doses micro do- so you don't revisit the awful stuff but you're kind of like oh yeah i like tomatoes <laughs> <Is> That <laughs> all? Uh, i love these tomatoes that grow from trees. You, yeah 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 you, you forget genocide and stuff but you're like oh i do like grilled cheese
0: that's perfect Uh, before we uh, moved on from the carnival scene first off he's holding the jacket he's naked Mm -hmm. and the music that's playing that Reznor and Ross my buddies Reznor and Ross okay um, R&R that's what I call them now it was it had such a great stranger stranger things feel to it yeah Especially Which, with the mirror. With know, the, the mirror, house. the 80s, the the era, and the synthetic music. Or, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really good. It synthetic. was cool. Synth. Uh, that's what I mean. Synth-pop. I don't know.
1: Synth pop. Uh, I don't know.
0: Anyway, uh, I love that zoom out, but the transition from that kind of Stranger Things music to the, the New York, New York, mm-hmm. with the squid. Yeah. He actually showed it. That was cool. There's a... And when they were drawing
1: it back, when they were pulling it back, were you thinking, like, how much money did they spend on this? <laughs> you know? That right. was my thought. I was like, if they show the squid, then it's going to bump it up a few you know, a few tens of thousands of dollars. or whatever. It was very impressive. Know. Yeah.
0: The zoom out to actually showing the squid was super rad. Yeah. It was a – that was the clear – I mean, we've already known that this isn't the same as the Snyderverse. But there was a couple – look, Snyder. We can handle having a squid in here. It's not too far fetched. <laughs> I don't know why you always have an axe to grind. You keep bringing up Snyder. I have an axe to grind.
1: I'm have just you saying. seen
0: the TV show within the the American Hero story? You're right. I know. I know. The, I'm just trying to start that my week out That gratuitous fucking that was going on was oh, definitely yeah. a, a dig at the night owl's spectrum yeah. scene from the movie. That Absolutely. was just like out of nowhere. They have to have some hardcore grind. Well, session. he's sitting
1: there eating the beans too, just like in the comic. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So it was kind of like, yeah, it was cool. They, they were obviously just trying to pull off of all of them. Phrasing, okay, Grant. Freezing. Jesus. No, but you know, I mean, you're, you're. They, they did. I think you know, in every aspect, they've handled. The source material better than uh, Snyder. I mean, whatever. That's just it's okay. It's okay
0: to be in second place. Like it's fine. That's fine. Yeah. They the transition though with the the still the New York music. Yep. And then it's an advertisement by a bunch of people for like come back to New York. It's mm-hmm. like come visit or come live here. It's good again. It's safe. I I love how I hadn't even considered. How damaged in a way like
1: the real estate industry would be?
0: Like it, it's treated worse than, yeah, something like like Detroit. It's like Hiroshima or something. It's like it's an untouchable land in yeah. a way, right? But this is not. It's New York City, and mm-hmm. like they have to try and solicit people to come back there and try and rebuild it to what it was. And I'm like, oh yeah, I guess a lot of people wouldn't want to fucking live there.
1: Yeah, I mean at least like you know like California and Chile and stuff are. They could always fall off the, you know, the west coast of the of of, Nor- of America, both North and South America. Right. But I mean, they're, those are like really beautiful places. Mm-hmm. You know, great beaches, cool volcanoes. You can go s- skiing, whatever. I guess you can go skiing from New York too. But New York <laughs> really doesn't have that much to offer. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. You know. It's not like Northern California. Well,
0: it's the the dense it's the density of people and all the culture. That, that that's what makes that. it cool. So if you and don't so, have it, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I thought just the consideration of that, I was like, oh yeah, I hadn't really thought about what that would do.
1: So do you think that that was? Do you think he was right? I mean, he's usually right about reading people. Do you think he actually did read those people, or was he kind of like projecting, projecting himself? See, that
0: is fascinating because maybe he was bullshitting him because. His fear, yeah. is greater than just reading those people, even if those people are being genuine, he might not want anyone else to go there because he might feel he's sending other people to their death because that's a a haunted land, yeah, and you know what that that's
1: an interesting thing. I kind of thought when I was looking at Wade kind of writing down my bullet points of 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 his personality here, the first one I think was vulnerability. Before, and you know, we saw him vulnerable when he was like crying in the car and stuff like that. When he said that great line about, "Oh, I don't care," then why is there a tear under my mask or something? Right? I mean, right. awesome line, Jesus. But here we actually saw him vulnerable, like as a human being, like looking at the mail. You know what I mean? He has like spam and all this. They're not, you know, I don't know, whatever. And the other thing is, here he's someone that's always trying to save people and also save himself, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's with the tinfoil hat or the bunker or or whatever else. And this is somebody who's like really brave. I mean, he is trying to save people and get to the bottom of things, and he goes in with a gun against the 7th Cavalry. I mean, I would have waited for backup, right? <laughs> no kidding. And I would not have even had that. But that he, backup would have never come. It, right, exactly. But, you know, we didn't know. I didn't know that. He didn't know that. You didn't know that. But, you know, this is somebody who's who's really, really brave. And you are right. So then maybe when he's looking at that marketing video, that advertisement, maybe he was trying to save people from going back to what he considered maybe like a almost certain doom you know Mm. i don't know because because the other guy the other the the ad man said something like that was 30 years ago
0: right like yeah is there do you get the sense that there's some sort of um toxic uh, lingering psychic resin i I don't even know how to describe it you know not not like um like radiation lingers you know but is there like some sort of psychic energy that might linger that's the thing in a similar I, you know way i want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt but as you know what are the rules i'm
1: not on social media i don't know why i don't know what people are really upset about these days and not because twitter like when you're at twitter everybody can get so pissed off about every fucking thing
0: all the time i'm so. a little pissed off that you're saying that right right
1: now. exactly yeah 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 <laughs> so you know i don't know so i was watching it thinking should i believe this dude who said that? You know, he wasn't even alive then. But maybe it came—it was genetically like locked from his mother and blah blah. And then maybe it's—you know—I don't know. I was kind of like thinking, should this guy just kind of get over it? And that's being insensitive. But also, I don't know the rules. I—I I don't know the rules about any of this. We have now—we're dealing with a, a, a parallel universe where you can have your memories in a pill. So I don't actually know how people can be affected by stuff in this universe. But
0: isn't isn't that? even more appropriate how you personally yeah, yeah. like take other people's pain and and you kind of project onto it like i bet you're you're hustling me like you yeah. also are just skeptical of other people when they kind of say this and i think that also plays into kind of the point of this whole thing right like how how do you gauge what other people's fear other people's pain are like what people people wear masks to hide right and right. and they're they're keeping all that kind of disguise. And yeah, you're right. Like this kid is, is he kind of just playing off the, the paranoia that his mom did. And And then again, there's also
1: totally believe it too. Right? Like I'm not saying he's being insincere. He could totally believe it, but is it actually there? But that's also the legacy aspect, right? right?
0: Like the, we, we carry on the pain and the sins of our, our parents and all of it. Like we, we carry that baggage with us. And in this sense, he, he might Genuinely be afflicted. I mean, the dude had a cool haircut and he had a pretty sweet beard. <laughs> so he's got that going
1: for him. You know, yeah.
0: Uh, Michael Imperioli was in the New York ad mm-hmm. eating the calamari. He's mm-hmm. from Sopranos. It was pretty, uh, pretty great to see it him It was pretty there, cool. Even though he's in like just a little bit part. It reminded me he of – uh, What's his name? What's his name from uh, Perfect Strangers popping up in Leftovers? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. Larry Applegate. Uh, and then – the idea that looking glass's front his his job that is his front this is his main career mm-hmm. is that he's a marketing consultant who's basically like lied to me which is the job that he does as well for the police department he's a yeah. lie detecting machine. Yeah. Um I was kind of curious what you think about now that we know his past how does that inform the type of person he would be? That he would go into a profession of learning to tell if someone's telling the truth about him. He
1: often he's, we know he's somebody who's very hard on himself. Uh-huh. Whenever he's in that mirror scene, right, which is obviously a really self-reflective scene, literally in a lot of different ways. You know, he doesn't think, "Oh fuck that person, god damn it, I'm in New York or New Jersey and these fucking people, I can't believe this." You know, fuck them, blah blah. Instead, he looks at himself and he says, "You're a dummy, you're an idiot. Of course you did this." So this is somebody with a lot of self-doubt. And anxiety, not about like even extra dimensional things or whatever, but just anxiety in himself and like being right and choosing, making the right decision. So I do think that he can look at other people's uh, levels of honesty, you know, and their own anxieties. And like that one guy said, well, you know, fear sells, right? And stuff like that. And he can look at that. I think, yeah, that definitely does inform what he does. His whole – he always looks at himself to kind of get the truth of himself – I mean, I would say for the most part, except he kind of has this giant blind spot where he is kind of lying to people and saying he got through the tunnel when we know that's a lie, right? Like he's self-medicating with a bunker and (laughs) with that EDS um, alarm system that he's set over 500 times or something, right? Right. Um, So we know he's like self-medicating his anxiety that way. But uh, yeah, this is somebody who looks at himself all the time. And so obviously he's going to be great at looking at others. And it's kind of interesting thinking about, again, even with the comic book. What's a superpower and what's just kind of like a hyper level of something we all have? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he just has a really acute sense of calling out bullshit.
0: He's, he's Tim Roth from Lie to Me. Remember yeah. that show? <laughs> I don't. Uh, well, he, he had the same job. He would look at people's facial tics and be like, you're lying. Oh, really? Case closed. And then it would be like, okay, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> no, <laughs> that I, don't, I never watched that show either. Yep. But I'm guessing that's what happened. Uh, so Lori is the acting captain. Mm-hmm. We get to see her now in the, the same stadium seating room, kind of uh, changing the focus. I, I thought they did some really smart things in the beginning of this episode to kind of cue us, the audience, mm-hmm. back into stuff that we need to be on the lookout for. Mm-hmm. She's saying, like, hey, what we need to focus on is trying to find the church. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about trying to rely on mirror guy, yeah. mirror man, to, uh, to read lies of, of people that you pick up. Uh, in fact, she seems to want to Intentionally distance herself from costume vigilante work and just do good old fashioned detective work. Yeah, she's right? being practical. She is. That's the name of it. But I mean. also, I think she has a chip on her shoulder about anyone who's wearing a costume and doesn't really want to advocate for that. Like, yeah. let's not lean on their expertise. Um, We're they're cops. They're a bunch of, cops, a bunch of tin do... foil hat wearing people. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. We're cops. Let's do cop work. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, but the fact that, like, she's reminding us, the audience, like, oh, yeah, they're in this church. The church is going to be important, so we need to be on the lookout for this kind of church scene.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then on top of that, we get to the scene where we see all the police detectives like walking around, and you see Red Scare, who's just like one of the best big characters, absolutely loving this guy every time I see him. he's eating this sandwich that's got lettuce on it. And the reminder of the lettuce is so important, but also the the whole exchange with like, are you using police evidence on your sandwich? Well, I, yeah, I thought it was important two ways. I mean, A, to kind of prime us for
1: looking at the lettuce again, right? right. And B, also just to think, okay, it's been five weeks now because this is the fifth episode. So maybe it's actually been, I don't forget how that works, four weeks, but really it's only been a few days. Like the lettuce is not bad yet. Right. You know, so this has all happened in a really compressed time frame, and people are kind of dealing with things as they come up, you know?
0: And a third thing, I think it's important for us to be conscious of our, our food resources and, and the scarcity of it and to make use of lettuce before it right. goes bad. Yeah, waste not, waste not, what not. Waste not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The police evidence be damned.
1: Yeah. I mean, that iceberg, though, looked a little wilty.
0: Yeah. It was, it was romaine. Oh, was it romaine? Okay. I think it was some romaine. Okay. But, God, <laughs> I love a good
1: spring mix. A little rocket.
0: <laughs> uh, we learn a bit more about Looking glasses past. Yeah. He goes into uh, Lori's office, Lori Blake's office, and so she's talking to him about the reflectine that he wears on his head. Now I read it what it's called. Reflectine. Is that what it's called? Okay. Yeah. Um, we he's also from Texas. Mm-hmm. Well uh, the that, border. That southern on the border. Yeah. But that brings up my cubes
1: moment. Yeah? That brings up my cubes moment. Is it that mustache of his? <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's actually his pronunciation of the word Tuesday. What did he say? Tuesday. Tuesday? T O O S D E E. Is that And he does it so well. And I think we actually had a viewer, listener, whatever, she mentioned the fact that she thought that um uh what's the senator's name? Senator Keene. Yeah. She thought that his his accent was a little overdone. But I have heard people and you know, to Wade's credit, I mean, what's the dude's name that's behind
0: Wade? Tim Blake Nelson. Fucking awesome. He's amazing.
1: You know, and I apologize for not knowing his name. I just don't know anybody's names. You know, I mean, I've known you for 15 years, and I still forget your last name quite often.
0: Grant Davis. Right. Yeah.
1: So uh, his accent is, like, perfect. Just like his del- – I mean, everything he does is perfect, and that's, of course, why this episode was one of the reasons it was such a joy. Um, so, yeah, his the Cube's moment was his pronunciation of the word Tuesday because it was right on. We're Texan
0: boys. Yeah. I mean, okay. And, but you more so than me. Like you've grown up here your whole life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. have you heard people say Tuesday?
1: Absolutely. Is that what your dad says? There's a My dad doesn't say that, but there's a thrift store called Tuesday Morning mm-hmm. and it's where you can get like, you know, surplus stuff, you know, stuff that, you know, whatever obviously. Um but it's all new stuff. It's not like thrift store. Um and my grandmother volunteers there. And she says Tuesday the same way. She's ah. like Tuesday,
0: Tuesday Morning. Tuesday. Tuesday. That's a good little Tuesday. cubes moment. I like That's that. That's a yeah, nice cubes moment. The uh, for anyone who doesn't know what a cubes moment is, it is when you find something that is just interesting, delightful, something that resonates with you. It's in reference to the green sugar cubes from Watchmen, which Clay delighted in. Yeah, that was your favorite. Now what's the thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. So there was another moment. Like I mean, they did a lot of a great job reminding us, the audience, of a few things that allow us in a way to be like the detectives along the way. Yeah. Yeah. It it's like validating when we see the lo- the romaine lettuce drop off the truck, oh, totally. right? Oh, totally. I got so excited. Aren't you yeah. like, oh, I oh know. Oh my god. That I well, know before. But even before that, didn't you think the truck looked similar? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I
1: thought it was And right I was there. like,
0: "Oh, we can't see who the driver is." Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, so I thought that was perfect. We also find out from when he's when uh, Laurie's talking to him that Laurie's direct she's like so what's up with the pills i bugged your desk which the bugging of the desk becomes very important at the very end yeah. too yeah so it was a a great um a great moment to like foreshadow these other events that are going to be the downfall of of sister night yeah. in a way the
1: episode was structured wonderfully
0: yeah, yeah. i i love that i love how Laurie Blake how, how Gene Mar- Smart's playing her, but how she just doesn't give any shits. No, yeah, she's like, oh yeah, I bugged your desk. No biggie. I'm and not. I'm gonna tell you straight up that I did this. And also,
1: you're gonna sit across my desk, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm just gonna kind of talk shit to you and your whole persona and everything that you stand for and do. And I'm gonna say that the reason you even wear a mask, even though he has done like good police work and I would assume has saved a lot of lives, right? And done like he's from all intents like from everything we know about him, he's an honest good dude. Right. So he's probably done good work. And like the city of Tulsa is probably lucky to have him. Yeah. And yet she's still going to sit across from him and just talk absolute shit to him and just make him feel like shit. Because she's an asshole. Because she is,
0: you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's an asshole who hates herself Mm -hmm. and she hates everyone who's following in the same footsteps as she did in the past of wearing the mask. And so she projects onto everyone else how she felt about herself. Yeah. Because she's
1: going to go to a motel room with a big blue mag light. The Cold Steel of a Big Blue Maglite Flashlight. Did
0: you – I don't know if you saw the extra information about that.
1: The, N- of you, course You're not. bringing
0: up the Big Blue Dildo. Yeah. Well, I call it a Maglite. PD-pedia yeah.
1: uh-huh
0: had the diagram of the, the the schematics for how that was built. And it was built by a comp- company called MerlinCore. And what's interesting about this – What's
1: interesting is that, yet again, you're talking about a Big Blue Penis. <laughs>
0: It's my favorite part, man. That's what's interesting. <laughs> why do I leave my house on a nice Sunday evening to hear you talk about penises? I'm tired of it. You know why. Yeah. But the, there was two documents that were released for episode four on PDPedia. And okay. one was this schematic for how that was constructed. It's got, like, all these notes. It's very technical. And it's like, make sure you wash every night after use or whatever, like, little details uh, like that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. But it also has an interrogation with Lori right after she gets picked up in 1995, when her and Dan get picked up. Oh, wow. Okay. And it's the notes that are, that are there. There are some that are um, uh, scrubbed out, so you, you can't read certain stuff. It's redacted. But within that, we learn a bunch of really interesting details, including that they are picked up in 1995 after they clearly were in, disguise, uh, in their costume personas um, stopping Timothy McVeigh from bombing Oklahoma City. Holy smokes. She uh, discusses how... Uh, Merlin core uh, how the suitcase she she's carrying a suitcase at the time it's the same silver suitcase they're like what's in it give us a combo she's like it's a big blue dick is in there They're like why would it be a big blue dick she says my ex-boyfriend Dan Dryberg made this as a big fuck you to me when we broke up because he thought I was still pining after my other my old boyfriend Dr. Manhattan so what she's carrying isn't that she bought this big blue dildo for herself it's, it's like this last kind of vestige mm-hmm. of her failed relationship with Dan Dryberg after he wanted kids and she didn't want kids is what she says. Can we talk about that for a quick second? And isn't – I mean it's it's like so much more profound I think like what it means yeah, like you're right. opening it's that. It's not
1: just like a shock jock moment. Yeah, it's, she's not yeah. she's
0: not just like horny for a big blue dildo. Every time she opens that, it is like – it is a reflection of the failed relationship and how, how lonely she feels now because – he wanted something. She wanted something else, and he couldn't take that. And so he spent time making a big blue dildo for her because oh, he's insecure
1: as well. Because he's insecure as well. We knew he was insecure but all throughout the comic. She now has, and this is another moment here. This is not a cube's moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the owl that never gets to see the light of day, <laughs> which she obviously still has thinking about Dan. Yeah, right. Maybe it was theirs together. And I thought that, yeah, maybe so. Huh? Get the I mean, thank God she got the pet. You know, yeah. during a breakup, like, I mean, well, knows, you know me. Like, he's thank in God jail. Get the, yeah. <laughs> so um, I felt bad for that owl. But now I'm thinking that owl's pretty damn lucky after seeing what happened to the dog this <gasps> week. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you, you don't have pets. But that had to, like,
0: not – that didn't rub you the right way, did it? There's there's something in script writing called Save the Cat. Uh-huh. Okay, I don't know this. the uh, The idea that um, if you – put, like, an animal in danger, mm-hmm. um, then you try to rescue it. People are going to root for the person that's rescuing the animal or rescuing, rescuing. yeah, because people have, you know, an emotional animals. investment in that kind of thing. More than people. And it's also, like, a good kind of um, shorthand for, like, pointing out people that are bad guys. <laughs> like, oh, okay. uh, like people that are, like, endangering someone like that. You want You want that kind of risk? Here, in a way, it's like, it's such an afterthought, like the oh. put the puppy in the incinerator and don't even think about it. Like, oh, do you want this puppy? All right, burn this onto the next. Oh. <laughs> so, it was it was comedic. It was dark humor, and like, yeah,
1: it was funny, but it was also you're, awful. You're
0: very you're very much an animal man. Uh, yeah how how did you feel? I
1: felt okay. I knew what they were doing, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, Jeez Louise, that was a tough one.
0: It was pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I guess we can go ahead and talk about that. He gets a call. He goes and checks on his, his ex-wife who he's still pining for. And what'd you think about her? I thought, I thought she was interesting. Like she's, she's strong willed. She seems like she's kind of fine in her own place in, in the relationship. And she gives enough details of why it didn't work out, work out between them. And it's clearly that he couldn't get over his, his paranoia and insecurity to a point that they could be in a healthy relationship because he always felt that she was going to abuse him and leave him in in a way that didn't actually reflect what actually happened. In a way that he he so might something reflect. He might Think <laughs> about psychic rays and stuff reflect. He might seek it. abusive relationships in a way because that's just kind of how what he expects to happen. Well, he also
1: thinks the world's going to end. Yeah. So why invest in something and better yourself and everything else if it's all for nothing anyway, right? Right. So, yeah, I thought it was a really interesting scene. And like anytime you you are with an ex and you can have you know even two or three minutes like that and keep it civil and stuff, it's like okay, we're we're in a better place now, you know. So I kind of thought it was kind of real, like true to life on that.
0: Yeah. I don't know.
1: I, I liked it. I liked her. I liked him. I thought I thought the acting was incredible. Um, I thought it was a good moment. And then of course we have nostalgia. Which what was the what was the cologne or perfume called? In the uh, in the comic book? Nostalgia. Yeah, okay. That was Nostalgia by Vite. But that had nothing to do with it. I mean, that was just a name. That was just like, that fragrance didn't do anything in the comic.
0: No, but I would assume that the branding-wise. Mm-hmm. He was introduced. He was kind of that, like priming. That Vite was also um, involved with what these Nostalgia pills are. Yeah. They, they, they say briefly that these pills are outlawed along with cigarettes cigarettes with are cigarettes. also interesting huh? cigarettes are outlawed I mean g- thank goodness, but yeah like, we talked about this a little bit ago with like the cops smoking cigarettes outside of judge's place um when he goes to his death mm-hmm. he's all coked up and then he goes and dies mm-hmm. um his his officers are smoking cigarettes and like what does that mean and he like turns a blind eye even though that's a controlled substance that they are supposed to be illegal yeah um anyway, yeah we have uh this nostalgia which I guess is a psychoactive um compound that makes you relive, relive past memories. And how many doses did uh, did uh, Angela take? Oh, she OD'd. <laughs> for sure. She's going to have a bit. She's going to trip. Uh, next week's episode is her, about her. Okay. And about that. And I, I know you haven't seen it. Yeah. but uh, You don't watch the previews for the next episode. Right. But let's just say, from what I saw, it's going to be fucking trippy. Okay. Sweet. And... We're not going to know the fate of Wade, I guess, as a result, because it's all going to be about her. In a is way, he it's not like long a, for this world. I saw someone say it's a bottle episode, bottle of pills. I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of that was cool. Yeah. It's yeah. not a bottle episode, but it's cute, cute thing to say. What did you say? How
1: are you seeing what people are saying when it's an hour later,
0: dude? I checked. Are you
1: are you tweeting and driving? Yes. Oh come on! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tweeting and driving, but I I did. See are you it. Redditing and driving?
0: I've Reddited. Are real you Redditing,
1: quick redditing and red, Redditing and red lighting? N- no. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. No, that's pretty good. If, but that's another if thing, too. If Looking
0: Glass was here, he would tell me what,
1: that's <laughs> what's true. Speaking man. of good writing, yeah. right? I mean, we, we have such a great episode with Wade. And th- at the end, it's not enough for him to just throw the thing away and think, okay, great. You know, he, he learned something and now he doesn't have anxiety. It's, you know, then, he, of course, he goes and picks up the EDS alarm system from the, uh, from the trash, which I was thinking, Cool. That means it's kind of like detailed. It's, it's not just – it's multifaceted writing. Like this is probably what somebody would do is anxiety's not dead yet. He's, he's kind of like insurance policy. Okay, I don't know what's true right now. I asked Angelo that on the phone. I don't know if I really saw what I saw and what's true. I mean I just had a senator tell me about this crazy conspiracy. You know, um, I might as well have the alarm system. And so I was thinking, cool, good end of the episode. And then they have the cavalry come out, guns a-blazing, and I'm freaking the fuck out. I didn't know we were going to jump all all the way to the end. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you just kind of brought it up. I mean, is he? Is should we? Should I start writing my goodbyes?
0: It was that whole sequence was perfect. I just thought that was one of the most intense cliffhanger endings to an episode, with the cavalry cocking their guns and running in there. They aren't running in there for just a friendly chat. If they're cocking their, no. And the thing is.
1: You know, a lot of superheroes can fight. Mm-hmm. Can he fight at all? I don't. If it was Angela, I would think, okay, four against one, she might have a chance.
0: Can this guy do anything? Looking Glass is—he's a marketing man. He's totally like a contemporary um for Rorschach, right?
1: Yeah, no. You don't think? Kind of. I mean, but I—I I, I, okay. Before this episode, yes. With this episode, no.
0: Okay, I—I I would say. In a way, like he he mimics in mirrors, in you know, a uh, a lot of, lot of what people looked at for a hero, in Rorschach. Yeah, okay. He's a small little runt of a guy, the uh, that yeah. puts on this mask and wears that as his skin all the time. It's it's more than just a costume. It's it's an identity. It's a he's, persona. He's Rorschach light. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he. It's like all the positive, he's all the good reasons that you should want to root for Rorschach instead of what Rorschach actually is, which is kind of a scummy dude who was determined, but he's he he's got a lot of problems. And I don't find a lot of those same problems in Looking Glass. I agree. So, so now we love him and now he might
1: die. I mean, he can't die though.
0: He could. I don't I don't know. S- save the kitten. I, I know. I, I really want him he's, to live. He's our kitten. He's our baby kitten. He is. We love him. Uh, so I, I thought that when he goes back and grabs that box back out of the trash, it was like it was this huge character growth moment, right? Yeah. He's like, I don't need my hat. I'm leaving it in the chair. I don't need my silver hat. I've, I've learned the truth. This was therapy for me. I, I can actually finally like, let go of this bondage and, and move on. Mm-hmm. And then he gets that box and that's another reminder. He's like I don't need this either. But then he goes back because it's more than just a psychological like it's it's an addiction. It, I him. mean that's
1: all, that's why I was saying self-medicating. Yeah. It really is. I mean that type of anxiety and dealing with that is an addiction. Absolutely. He, he
0: needs this. And he
1: may actually need it not just, you know, emotionally, or I guess I mean to say he could be actually affected by the psychic blast still. We don't know. I mean, for all in, from, from the context of the comic book and everything, that's, that was the intent of it, right?
0: The psychic blast still was real. Yeah, right? exactly.
1: So, I mean, he actually was affected. Um, let me ask you this. This is interesting. It was my understanding with the psychic blast, at least in the comic book, that it just kind of made a bunch of things explode. And I'm probably wrong about this. But it just made a bunch of things explode. And then those explosions just, like, you know, knocked over buildings and someone dies by being, like, crushed by a building. I didn't think someone just like had their brains blown out by the psychic blast, but I guess that's what happened. Yeah. Okay. So that's what's kind of interesting.
0: It it, it seemed kind of peculiar that like, I guess the psychic blast itself was enough enough to cause like brain hemorrhaging. So how could it turtle
1: soup one person's brain? And I mean, we're not doctors.
0: Right. If anybody listens to us for five seconds, I think they
1: know that. (laughs) How does it turtle soup your neighbor's brain? And then you just get ruptured eardrums. I, don't, I guess I don't understand psychic Blast, and I'm kind of like looking for the answers here.
0: Uh, I think that maybe him being shielded by being indoors, maybe him being shielded by a a room full of mirrors, mm. maybe some of that energy bounces off of that. I don't I know like how it works with a psychic blast. I was
1: I was actually believing you and thinking that you had some like gravity to what you were saying, and then you kind of just started going like this. And I thought I did oh, this. Oh, he's
0: I did a shrug where I'm like oh, I'm bullshitting me right now, yeah. but. Maybe it's possible that there's something about that. As well as like there's this it's a great superhero origin story, isn't it? In a Absolutely. way to have this idea of the psychic blast of him in a house of mirrors and it shatters all around him and he becomes looking
1: glass. Well, question. I mean, speaking of the origin story, we we have that thirty thirty five years ago and then he just does marketing where we don't know, because maybe that was his cover, maybe he actually did marketing before that. How did he become? How did he become Looking Glass? I mean, he could have just been a paranoid guy, and then does he just like after the after the White knight or whatever? Does he just show up and say, "Hey, I've got this idea."
0: Hey, I've like, always wanted to be a costume vigilante.
1: He just runs into Judd or whatever at the Dairy Queen. He's like, "Oh, you get Heath Bar." Um. Oh
0: yeah, you're right. too, Because that was three years ago, right? Uh, the white
1: knight, right. I think they said, was about three years ago. Sure, but I guess yeah. So we have an intervening twenty-seven years or something where
0: and we don't know what he was doing. He's already a full-fledged d- detective that is like in charge of interrogation. That's with that's a not... with, with, with a room like a crazy yeah with a bubble room. secret kind of room. So this is not a guy who had to join as a rookie and climb the ranks. He came in with with quite a uh, a CV. He, he wasn't <laughs> Turner and Hooch. No. Yeah, they didn't put him on a uh, traffic duty. <laughs> uh, which that's an excellent point. So, so does he
1: walk up to Judd at the Dairy Queen and he's like, you know, like, oh, do you get Snickers Blizzard? But then you eat half of it, and then you give your wife the rest of it because she had a steak finger basket, and you know she's going to be a little bit like ready for something sweet after that steak You're finger basket. This so quietly, right? <laughs> so I mean, and then Judd looks at him. He's like, "Fuck, we need a man like you." <laughs> And then he gets this job, like, at the top. I just want to know, like, his career advancement is really impressive. And as a young lawyer, like, I want to go up there. Like, how, I'm ready. I'm tired of working my way
0: up. How do you get to a point like that? How, how does he just level up so years, quickly? In three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. But you're right. I, I assume that he must have always had this sort of paranoid schizophrenia to a degree. Um, Not schizophrenia. I don't know.
1: What, what do you mean? I mean, maybe I don't know what schizophrenia is, but I mean, I
0: mean, is he not like kind of projecting sort of imaginary um, paranoia on things? No. I, I I'm not sure how this is, his, it's manifesting. Did he heat up the beans in me, the can? Let me tell you, in something. the microwave. That's bad for the microwave. Oh wait,
1: did he heat it up in the microwave? I I don't remember the microwave. No, Because here's here's what I mean to say. Okay, here's what I mean to say. If you're somebody who puts a uh, tinfoil kind of hat on mm-hmm. and then a mask on. As soon as you take the hat off, you think, okay, I'm in my house now. I can put the whole mask on, right? Yeah. I'm kind of thinking, okay, like we all have our things. You know what I mean? Like, we, like every day is a struggle. Like we all have our problems, right? Right. <laughs> I get it. Like I get that. If you sit down though and eat a cold can of beans and you don't use a bowl and you don't even heat it up, I don't get that. Like if
0: this point, I'm, I'm thinking of, <laughs> So, so, no, your, but, but you know your what I argument mean? argument is that wearing a, a reflective mask Listen. while you're in the shower, no, 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 no. that's not crazy. Listen. Eating a cold can of beans, you're a lunatic. <laughs> Listen,
1: okay, you have a great Thanksgiving party. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, I mean, you do. I like, do. You have an annual Thanksgiving party. It's fantastic. I'm I looking do. forward to it. Okay. It's if I, be great. If I show up and because I, I mean, I know you, I know maybe 10 to 12 other people there. I don't know the other 60 or 70. Probably for good reason, you kind of keep me sequestered away, right? Yes. If I see somebody in the corner of the of your house and they're wearing like uh an old um nineteen twenties or thirties zoot suit with a hat with a feather, I'm gonna think, I guess that's just that's just that dude. That's just him being him. Okay, cool. If he's sitting there eating a cold can of beans at your house, <laughs> <laughs> I am gonna go up to you and be like, Do you want me to help you try to get this guy out of here? <laughs> right? There's a difference between wearing crazy outfits and then eating cold cans of beans. Christ yes. on a bike. We have electricity for a reason. <laughs> All right. Sorry.
0: No, 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 that's perfect. Um, I want to transition really awkwardly from what we've been talking <laughs> yeah. about. Um, uh, let's, well, actually we already kind of covered that part. Uh, the smiley O cereal, obviously, um, his, his second little test market test focus group thing yeah. that he's doing. That's a, a call back to, uh, the smiley face stuff. They, it's, it's I mean, everywhere. Okay,
1: okay can, I, can I bring this up, too? Yeah. I have the yellow watch, which is kind of looking at the callbacks to the comic book and everything like that, and the color yellow, which right. obviously – did you notice anything like that? I mean, I know you weren't necessarily looking for it, but I noticed – I just had one, and I wonder if it, other viewers or listeners had any other ones.
0: Uh, tell me what it is that you noticed.
1: What I noticed was the, his phone in his uh, basement bunker was that perfect Watchman yellow, the kind of banana yellow. Really? Did you not notice that? No. It was awesome cuz it stood out against the different colored EDS alarm system and everything like that with the red um, button and so you had this perfect yellow phone and then he had the yellow cord cuz it was like a um it wasn't a cordless, so I, I don't know what those are called. Cord- right. Corded phone. And uh anyway, it was awesome. I didn't know if you were, if you noticed any other things like that. There were a ton of callbacks to the comic book in this in this episode, but but the color yellow always ob- obviously stands out.
0: No, I hadn't actually noticed that, but I did notice the two phones. He had two phones. He had a red phone yeah. there. I'm guessing the other one was the yellow. It's very uh, was ketchup the, and mustard. Then,
1: yeah. Was there any reason to him looking at the bunk bed and him sleeping on the couch? Was that just because he had he was kind of in a, in a you know he had lost his wife and he was kind of thinking ah I can't sleep in the bed. It reminds me of her or something or what?
0: There was the song that was playing, which was uh. Once you've found her, never let her go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was playing as he was laying in that bed and looking at the other empty bed. He was laying on the couch, rather, and looking at the empty bed. And I think it was him pining for that intimacy in a way. But like thinking back, I have to not say reflecting, yeah, uh, no, thinking back yeah. on how he he lost her. Uh, and he he lost her for what he knows is his own fault in a way, like his own paranoia, his own hangups. But like he, it's hard for him to kind of move past that. And
1: that was so wild about this episode was that he knows that full well, and he has these moments of clarity where he can kind of think about that, or at least we see him think. We we think we see him thinking about that, and yet he's still in the bunker, which just shows you you know how much of a bitch addiction is and this anxiety that he's dealing with is right. Yeah. So anyway.
0: So, his extra-dimensional anxiety group therapy yeah, um, that he's leading, was even the, though he's obviously... It was in a Methodist church. In a Methodist church? You saw the, I saw the, the fire, like the flame. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, their code, when someone walks in, is friend of Nemo. Mm-hmm. Friend of Nemo's. And she goes, yeah, before she walks in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know if that's like something maybe you're familiar with. I, I was never, hoping you could tell me. I never read Little Nemo. I was hoping you could tell me i have seen finding Nemo <laughs> but yeah. no, I, I, yeah. I I'm just not as familiar with uh, little Nemo, so I, I was like, hmm, wonder what that's about um, the lady the actress from uh, Deadwood though mm-hmm. rolls in uh, and it was like super exciting to see her because I'm like, oh, if you're in this, you're obviously going to be a person here." yeah, but what'd you think about that scene when she was in the parking
1: lot um what scene? When she was smoking the cigarette, when he
0: walks outside. Oh, I, I thought obviously she was um, playing him. She was trying to get him. Wait, was that not her? Maybe that's not the actress. Oh, I mean, I don't. I mean, when you said that, I just kind of moved on because I haven't seen that, and I don't really know. Uh, I could be actually wrong there because I'm looking at her IMDb, and mm, I don't see it. Uh, be careful! You're going to get in trouble. <laughs> I, I totally thought it was um, actress Paula Malcolmson. But anyway, maybe it, it's it, maybe it it o- not yet. It obviously know.
1: she was baiting him. The scene was a little slow, but, I mean, it was probably supposed to be slow because that extra two seconds or two, whenever he's about to get in the car, you're thinking, oh, no, there's something more here, you know? Right, right. That's kind of how it's designed to be, but kind of slow. It was really interesting when they were at the bar right after that, and she starts talking about the movie Pale Horse, which it was in 92, right? (laughs) Right. And won all these uh, Oscars, Academy Awards, whatever. And then we have the red scene, which was a black-and-white film. I mean, obviously— Shouldn't lose say It was awesome. I mean, it was just—like, th- this episode was so fun for both, I think, casual viewers and people that like the comic alike. Um, there were and- just so many of these weird things. You're like, oh, my God, they're like us, but they're not like us.
0: And this is also rewarding for anyone who, like myself, kind of goes off the deep end and, and reads all the extra material, the PDPedia. While driving. Um, Right behind you is the record that we got. It's sitting right next to the um yeah. the Watchmen comic. And yeah. inside of the Pale Horse uh record is or the Sons of Pale Horse uh, record that Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross put out. There's this um uh, pamphlet this this uh what we call it um article that was written detailing the history of of, of the band uh, Sons of Pale Horse. Yeah. And it actually mentions a lot of the inspiration for the, the Spielberg movie yeah. Pale Horse it goes yeah. into that a bit i i wasn't clear when i read about it in that pamphlet that this was actually sh- um his version of Schindler's list and said he did it about the traumatic event mm-hmm. of of that was revolving around this band at the time of the, of the squid attack and yet he still kind of uses the same visual cues of of the little girl like running under the tentacles and it's all black and white except for her in red so when he was in like when he like when he
1: was in US or UCLA or wherever he was in film school, he he was thinking like one day, I mean, I don't know if it's gonna be like Nazi Germany or it's gonna be post squid attack, there's gonna be a girl, you know, or there's gonna be somebody. It could also be like in Tiananmen Square or something. I mean, I don't know. There's gonna be somebody and it's just gonna be red.
0: I want that visual punch. I saw the movie exactly. I yeah. saw the movie Pleasantville and I just, I just fucking fell in love. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that terrible reference. Christ. Uh, real quick, though. Yeah, 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 Real quick.
1: Great elementary school, maybe middle school, depending on reading level and, and whatever. Black and white, book, and then color appears. And what was the color and how did it appear? And this is really interesting, actually, for this episode, dealing with memories and taking pills and transferring memories to others. A book? A book. It's like Wrinkle
0: in Time or some shit?
1: Fuck no, dude.
0: <laughs> the Giver. I never read The Giver. What? Oh my God! I never read it. My wife gives me a hard time all the time about it. I'm I was gonna like, say, I, I hope remember. your
1: daughter's like like you need to remedy that. They're a little young now, but remedy that by reading The Giver. Is it is it any is it anything like The Giving Tree? No, I mean it's it's like The Giving Tree is good, and The Giver is good, but that's it. I mean, it's kind of like my um, comparison I did between Martin Scorsese's Silence and Watchmen. <laughs> They're
0: both good, but that's you really shouldn't compare the two. I. I think um, fuck the book of the Giving Tree. I don't ever want to read that again. Why? Now that I have kids, it's that is just a hard book to read. You know, it's emotionally like just heartbreaking. You know,
1: my sister has probably one of my favorite tattoos, um, and it's the it's the old man sitting on the stump at the end. People are getting a lot more than they probably bargained for on this, but it's a sweet (laughs) tattoo. You know, he's sitting on the stump. That's all he can give. The all the only thing the tree can give is a place to rest, and that's all the old man needs. Anyway, so does that book just remind you of the fact that your children are going to take everything from you and never really think about
0: you? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. It's, and, and fuck that book. Yeah. Sh- Shelves ever seen? You're a be- beautiful man. But uh, that one fucked so, me up. Okay, so
1: what did you think about um, whenever he's going into kind of the mall scene and kind of just first impressions? Oh, I mean, in the
0: warehouse? In
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it was an old abandoned warehouse. For some reason, I was thinking old abandoned mall.
0: No, I think it was a or warehouse. Where cow- we were? Okay, the yeah. Maybe it was a mall. It was oh, no. really big. Big space. Yeah. Um, I didn't know exactly what to think, but once I saw him step through into the um into the church and then it turned to see the um the lights and the camera there, I was like, the whole thing is theatrics. Yeah. The whole thing is a right. fake. Right. And I think this is really fascinating. What is what Actually, is going on with the Seventh Cavalry that they've they've manufactured this. I mean, it, it still seems like it's it's recruiting white supremacist type people to be their their zealots, right. as far as what we can glean from what Keen was saying in the the scenes. But still, it, it feels like this is uh, theater that they're putting on. They're trying to manipulate people, akin to like. Um, like, The Mandalorian and Iron Man 3 or something like that. The
1: Mandalorian, I just want to start talking about that show. Do you have <laughs> Disney
0: Plus? It's so, Oh, the Mandarin is what I meant. Oh, man. Man, the yeah, Mandalorian okay. is so good. Oh, my God. And that God. is the cutest character I've ever seen in any show.
1: No, I know. I it know. is so adorable. I know, what that I, like... I know what I want you to dress as for Halloween next year. <laughs> or maybe make it my Christmas present. Can you be Baby Yoda for Christmas?
0: <laughs> I can try.
1: God, that would be so cute to cart you around. Oh man, oh, can I, love- I can I ride on your back? I'm gonna put you on like just in a, in a grocery store uh, shopping cart. Okay, that's and you're close gonna, enough. <laughs> and you're just gonna wheel yourself next to me. <laughs> oh my god, I'm gonna love it. You're
0: not even gonna wheel me. Okay, that's fine. Whatever. Okay,
1: anyway, so um, yeah, I thought that was I thought that was pretty wild. And I mean, when I guess when did did you ever suspect that? I guess I just I I don't understand the scene. I mean, I liked it, but he walks in there, he has his gun drawn. And I remember thinking like what is he going to do like like what nobody's running why didn't he wait for backup and that just really goes to the heart of his story what's true and what are you afraid of he's kind of trying to confront both of those questions by going in there with one pistol against all these fucking people
0: you know it's um I went ahead and looked up where the title comes from yeah it's a Jules Verne quote from 20,000 leagues under the sea and it's if there were no thunder Men would have little fear of lightning. Mm. Right. If there were no thunder. If there wasn't the follow-up boom to kind of affect you, if there wasn't the the reverberations, the effects of it, why would you be afraid of the initial, just the flash?
1: In Pixar's Cars, uh, Lightning McQueen says to his (laughs) other race car competitor, he calls him thunder. And he goes, huh? Why are you calling me Thunder? And he goes, because it always follows lightning, meaning it always comes in second place. <laughs> like probably the, the best line from the the Pixar feature film Cars.
0: It's probably the best accents I've ever heard you do as well. <laughs> Nailed it. That was yeah. just beautiful. Okay, sorry. So, so yeah we we have them teleporting these balls everywhere, and yeah. um, what you if you're familiar with the comic, you might remember that. Dr. Manhattan is able to teleport himself Mm -hmm. from place to place. And Adrian Veidt, in seeing this, ends up working alongside Doc Manhattan in order to develop technology for the world. But his ulterior, secret ulterior motive was to try and replicate a lot of the abilities that Dr. Manhattan had. In particular, his ability to teleport himself. And Adrian Veidt eventually figures out with his – what was the um, institution called? The Extraspatial – Interspatial. Institute, whatever it was. um, Ends up discovering how to start to teleport Mm -hmm. items. Mm -hmm. So this technology exists, or at least it existed secretly, and it seems that somehow these Rorschach Acolytes, the 7th Cavalry people, have figured out a way to replicate this. And is this why they were stealing
1: those watch batteries? Does, does that acid or whatever in the battery have something to do with this? I mean
0: – Okay. talks about how there was another thwarted case where some – I think maybe it was uh, McVeigh, but maybe it was someone else, was using lithium to make these lithium um, bombs is what they were talking about. Okay. These lithium bombs that, that – um, this had to be stopped and these people could be making bombs out of all these lithium batteries that they're sourcing. And maybe the idea is to... What if...
1: Mm -hmm. No, please. yeah.
0: What if 7th Cavalry were looking to replicate what Snyder did in the the movie? What if the idea was, instead of the squid attack, they're like, we're going to use those teleporters to drop a bunch of bombs everywhere and have explosions that, that wreak havoc. So... Their goal is to basically bring about the Snyderverse, <laughs> integrate the Snyderverse into this. And in a way, that is – okay. This like, is just me wanting to no, like no, 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 link no. the, the Seventh-day Adventist to – Adventists? Seventh-day Cavalry. Seventh-day Adventist. Apologies. We're going to get in trouble. The Seventh-day Cavalry, I want to somehow link them to these, these – Crazy zealot bros, the the extreme fandom that is GamerGate, yeah. that is like all these pizza um, PizzaGate, these these fanatics online that are these gatekeepers of of fandom and are really, I think, in cahoots with white supremacy in a way. A lot of times online, mm-hmm. like it, it seems to go hand in hand. And if there's a, a link between all of that and this meta commentary on how Seventh Cavalry. Are the people who idolized Rorschach in a way, yeah. just like the the 4chan, 8chan fans who idolized Rorschach? This might get me more in trouble. Uh, but they want to. If 4chan like,
1: users are listening, they can just sign off.
0: But if they deify Snyder, and if these people's ultimate goal is to bring about something akin to that with just a bunch of explosions through the. Um, yeah. being teleported in, that'd be kind of funny as well. I
1: mean. I really wonder because, you know, I really enjoyed this episode so much because I tried to view it just as somebody watching TV on Sunday night, just as a fan. I took notes after, obviously, but during the show, I just watched it and it was a lot of fun. And now I'm thinking, fuck, like obviously one of our favorite books of all time series is King Killer Chronicle. Right. I mean, bar none. I mean, that's just like an incredible set of books. Right. And. When we look at it, he's already, I mean, if he ever gets around to it, which take your time, whatever, but he's promised to wrap it up kind of with the third book, okay? We're, I'm kind of getting to a situation now where we have, what, six, seven, eight, nine, four more episodes. This was enough just going on this storyline to take me all the way through episode nine. I mean, we did not talk about the Millennium Clock at all. So how does how does the 7th Cavalry – interact with the United States government, which is keen, interacting with uh, Lady True, right? Interacting with Reeves, interacting with Lori, with um, Dan, who's in prison. I mean, holy shit, this web is big. And it, I'm freaking out thinking, if this is really just a nine-episode miniseries, are we going to get to this? Is this going to be Game of Thrones rushed? Well, I don't know. I'm, I'm,
0: I'm kind of worried. We have our lingering question. Mm-hmm. Who killed Judd? Who do you think now as of week five? We've got some more information. We now know that Keen is in cahoots with the 7th Cavalry. We now know that. Um, the, easy, the easy answer is Keen because I don't like him. And But he's the one asking, like, who killed Judd in this episode. and Yeah, the person, whoever smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> it's, it's, that's the rule, guys. Who smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> a, no, but, I, I mean, I think that Hooded Justice being right by it. He could have very well killed him if he knows he's part of the 7th Cavalry and they're up to something that's good. And also, no good.
1: what's so funny is that now we're talking about, okay, he's part of the 7th Cavalry. Okay, I get it. He's part of the deep state. I mean, if people are listening, I'm doing quote fingers because that's fucking bullshit. Right. But he's part of the deep state, whatever. Are we just, like, forgetting that he had the clan outfit? Because the Cavalry don't wear clan outfits. So the whole thing, like, what's going on with the clan outfit? Well, is this is this a polar bear? <laughs> is this Lindelof's polar bear? I, no,
0: no. Um, I think that it's kind of, I don't know, man. I don't know what to think. That's
1: what I'm saying. But okay, episode four, when you didn't know what to think, was it too much? And this is now fun, or is it all fun and all too much? Like, how are you feeling? It's all
0: fun. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited for where it's building up. I'm. Uh, admittedly, it's like just trying to process like all the different details of this. is It's a fun game, but it, it can at times be a little bit overwhelming. Yeah, I mean, um,
1: here's here's the thing. Here's how overwhelming it is. Okay, we've now been talking for probably four and a half hours. Okay, <laughs> and, it's been an hour and twelve minutes. Okay, so we're we're still good. Actually, that's kind of that's kind of short for us. We have not even talked about Vite on like the Moon Io or wherever the fuck he was. I mean, we have a human that's in leathers. Okay, and like an old spelunker, like steampunk um, Captain Nemo. Actually, speaking of Nemo, outfit, and, and we have is- not, and we have, and, and, he, and, he, and he's on a regular rope that he's threaded probably from horsehair or something, uh-huh. and we have not talked about that. If that was, if that was, in, if, if that scene was in When Harry Met Sally, that's the first <laughs> thing you're talking about. <laughs> yes, if that absolutely, if, if that's in Notting Hill, that's the first <laughs> thing you're talking about. But this is so crazy. We're talking about Tulsa, Oklahoma, instead of the fucking solar system. The bonkers ass scene where he shoots himself out of the biodome. And doesn't an S- bio does an SOS with dead bodies. We have not talked about that in, I don't know, hour and 12 minutes. And that's because this show is
0: fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. It's amazing. And you're right. He's made himself a skin suit out of the dead bodies of all those people. Because where else is he getting the skin, right? For the leather? I don't he's, know. He's skinning all those humans. Well he got he
1: got in trouble whenever he killed the buffalo or whatever it was, or cow. Yeah,
0: or he whatever. couldn't kill that, but he can kill as many of his uh Mr. Phillips and Miss Kirkshanks as he wants. And I bet he's stitching to get together there. Oh, skin. so that's what season four,
1: whenever it was like kind of the uh the red wedding or whatever, that's why. Why Maybe it was like I'm gonna get some anger out and frustration, but I'm also gonna get my suit. <laughs> remember because in, in 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 the last episode, episode four. Yeah, yeah. He killed all those people in his remember? Yeah,
0: Yeah. So, may, may, oh, you think he was like sourcing a bunch of uh, skin from them? Well, I don't know, but
1: I just mean to say that the whole thing is insane. And now we know that okay, I guess he's in kind of like a protected biosphere kind of energy thing. I mean, right? Right? He's all, he's actually on this moon, right? It's not a transdimensional thing. He's on this, and I keep saying moon. I mean, I don't know, right? Isn't it like? No,
0: it was it was a moon of um, Jupiter. Okay, it seems. I don't know if Io is the Io's only one of the moon moons.
1: I know is Io. So I said that to feel smart. That seemed pretty smart. Okay, cool. So <laughs> I'll take it. So he's on Io. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And, and the idea that, you know, and also I loved it. Like what was so great was he's made this incredible discovery. And then at the end of it, we're all human. And so his people know after a certain amount of time to pull him back. Mm. So then he's just like one second he's on Io, you know, putting dead bodies together, making a save me kind of message, which was kick ass. Right. And also I loved how they focused on the V. Which was kind of like episode five,
0: right? Right. You know,
1: which was fun, and also Vite, you know, like the V.
0: Oh wow, dude! You I, know I they totally did that at didn't first. think about that. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And so then they're pulling him back, and huh. he's just like being pulled through the mud. And it was like, okay, at the end of it, no matter how smart you are, we're just humans. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna get pulled through the mud. It was it was cool. So
0: what was his message? That like, what did it actually say? S- on me. on the moon, save me. It said save me, and then the letter D. Duh. Oh shit. And I was thinking is that save me doc? Oh no. I think he's an advocate for our healthcare
1: system and he's saying save med. He believes he believes in Medicare for all. That's all it was, <laughs> Bernie guys. That's... I mean, you don't know have a Bernie, bro. But yeah, he
0: believes he believes Medicare for all guys. That's okay, well, yeah. I, I, no, I, I did not see the D. I thought it said "Save Me." I thought it said "Save Me D" because like uh, we get okay. that, it, that we get the um, reflection where you're like maybe some internet sleuths are gonna be able to zoom in on the reflection off of the Probably. um the satellite and be able to see like what it fully said. But when oh, we, oh, you we, mean
1: that's okay? So on the lens of the satellite,
0: yeah, yeah. Okay, we see a little bit of like what the words were. Okay. And it, it flips over, and we see it cut off, and it says, save me, duh, for okay. a letter D. And so, I was like, I was thinking maybe it was save me, doc. So what's interesting here is that in the
1: comic, you know, we talked about how he was the smartest guy in the world, whatever. I actually wasn't that impressed. Like, I mean, I I trade on Robinhood, which is a great free stock trading app. Okay. I do pretty well. Okay? Yeah. I don't need to, like, look at 100 TVs and, like, like you know, it's pretty easy to, like, do a good job trading stocks. Okay? Sure. In the TV show, though, he's fucking smart. If he knows in 1985 that Redford's going to be in 93 or whatever, 92, you know, elected, okay? Mm-hmm. And now I'm thinking, okay, he knows on that date in 2014, 2015, that the um, the satellite's going to be right there, and he has to do it by that day. Wait, wait, wait. Am I going, what, what, what are you smiling about?
0: Nothing. nothing so no, no, so no. I guess my question is— I'm this. No, no.
1: Uh, my question is, like— how far ahead is he seeing things? Is he the puppet master? And I mean, I'm not trying to be funny, like it's a legitimate question. How much does he know and how far does that extend? Like if you're fucking smart and you've looked at all these externalities and eventualities, how far can you go before it just falls apart?
0: Well, it it's so great that they're essentially doing um it's kind of like The Martian, right? Uh-huh. The book. Uh but actually if, I said uh-huh, but I mean You never saw The Martian? No, I listened to it. Oh, you listen I listened to the it? book. Yeah. But it's kind of like that idea where like you're you're um Robinson Crusoe, you're stranded in this other land, and like, how can you um, use technology to uh, just eat help potatoes? Yourself just eat potatoes. But he's he's stuck with steampunk technology, so he's already got like one hand tied behind his back. This is a guy who is um, recreating his own intrinsic field generators and like figuring out and um, what's it called reverse engineering a, a method of um, that instant tr- uh, transportation. Uh, CX-924 transportation portal. Oh, okay, you're reading or whatever your they said. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this is a guy who is brilliant, but he has, he's relegated to fishing babies out of a lake yeah. in order to uh, build up his
1: own... Like, I mean, like, okay, if, if, if the two of us were there, yeah. and I don't mean independently, but we're together, okay? Which, I mean, I really hope that never happens. I mean, you're one of my best friends, but, like, Jesus Christ, would we ever even be able to figure out a trebuchet? <laughs> I don't really know. I probably not No. Like if you looked at us, I mean, this is now five years down the road and he's doing this and he's like putting, you know, he's on IO or whatever. Yeah. Okay. We would, if they showed us in five years, I'd be like, oh yeah, go pick some berries. (laughs) I'm going to go smear some, I'm going to go smear some animal fat on my face and go try to kill something and you go pick berries.
0: Yeah. And that's it. No, it would be um, into the wild. I would have already eaten those berries and just – they were poison, I would have died. <laughs> you would have killed me and eaten me. Yeah, yeah. Probably. yeah, yeah. Just resort to uh, – And then the Lone
1: Ranger finds us, you know, and he's he's well-fed and everything. It's because we can't survive. There's all these cows here, but we don't know what to do. The fucking warden, yeah, won't let us oh, – the warden. Yeah, so, okay, what did you think about that? I mean, that's an interesting thing. Obviously, the warden – I mean, because we kind of, you know, posited that maybe the warden was like a computer program or something, kind of this tabula-rosa, like blank slate thing where he doesn't really have a personality – But he obviously seems to be knowledgeable about the fact that, okay, whoever was here and put us here
0: has left us, but I still have to fulfill this duty. Kind of interesting. Right. So the warden is obviously the same um, genetic replication as uh, Mr. Phillips, that that body type. He's got got a sweet little mustache. That's like his difference. And he wears a little domino mask. But uh, it's the same guy. And obviously – much more advanced. Well, much more
1: obviously advanced and independent. And in, yeah, yeah the, the others are just fucking lemmings. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: mean. but if they also seem to advance in intelligence in a a degree a rapid way, it seems like he was able to age them in their machine. And he said, "Hey, within a couple hours, you guys will have the power of language." Yeah, which is, and even before they
1: could talk, they could still understand. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, they had my, comprehension. My, which then, my, my son, I mean, he can't talk and he can't understand. So. Yeah, I. You, I know you understand that too. We, we get it. Jesus Christ. Okay. Yeah, I'll it's, take that. It's
0: very aggravating with how long it takes your kids to like learn stuff, but then yeah. well, suddenly they start talking to themselves, and then they're not pissing all over the place, and you're like, yes. But I'm the so first fun. word they learn is no. <laughs> it's so right. I mean, okay.
1: So yeah. So okay. So you're, you're saying that this guy is obviously the same prototype, but he's
0: kind of imprinted. He's etched differently. Yeah. He he seems to have a, a different operating system that's a little bit more advanced, right? because um, I still think, you know, people have corrected me on the robot. I still think, eh, in a way, they're a little bit robots. They're, they're what do not- you mean people? Like, you're on Reddit? now? yeah, yeah. I went, when I've said these series and people commented, like, they're clones, not robots. I'm like, well, they're kind of robotic in a way, right? So who do you think is his – They're ach- not human. No, 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 no.
1: Who who do you think is his jailer? Do you still think it's and, – and, and Okay, let me – I'm sorry, two-part question. Okay, okay. Who is his jailer, and did he foresee being jailed?
0: Um, yes. Okay. And I think his jailer, I think he made a, I'm leaning right now toward the idea that he made a pact with, like, Lady Trio. That's where I'm thinking. Like, Lady Mm -hmm. Trio and him worked out some deal of, like, I can give you the opportunity to live on a paradise of your own making where you can play God in this sort of system if you want to. If you want to k- keep chasing who it is that uh, Doc Manhattan is, and if Doc Manhattan is going out into the universe and making his own life, you can do the same thing. Do you think you're able to go play God as well and spawn your own life and create your own society? Here's a, a playground for you, but you have to go there, and I'm going to take over your, your industries for you as, as a trade off. This is me like this is me in my own tinfoil hat. You, were, crazy were, 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 were you to talking
1: talk. to Steve Jones? Uh, no. <laughs> were you talking to, Were you talking to Mr. Swole, our, our favorite elementary school? Actually, I don't know. Elementary, middle? Who knows? No, don't know. I actually really hope it's elementary because that makes him wearing.
0: We are getting comments from people uh, that are watching our live feed, though. And Steve Jones did chime in to uh, point shit. out that Nemo is in reference to Captain Nemo from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, yeah. where the Jules Verne title is uh, derived from, attacked by a giant squid. So these are right. people okay. who are attacked by a giant squid. I have I I could have put that together maybe if I uh was well, thinking a little bit better. Jones obviously. is
1: obviously Good call though, Jones. Thanks. Faster than us. I mean, I I would I was going to say like, okay, we we only had like 30 minutes <laughs> to do this, but I mean, it's only it's been the same amount of time for Jones.
0: Yeah. So other people get that Maybe if he's on the East friend. Coast I
1: don't know how HBO releases stuff, but yeah.
0: We'll we'll have to we'll have to patch man Steve, on an episode I mean, we're, here. Steve, man. We're,
1: we're sorry, man. Yeah, you,
0: you need to help us. Like you know how
1: newspapers do corrections the next day. Yeah. Like after the whole episode, like after our podcast series, we're gonna have Steve Jones on at the end just to talk about what we got wrong. <laughs> All
0: right, this part was complete. We'll bullshit. buy him a beer and be yeah. like, yeah, man. Tals. Notting Hill reference? I wouldn't go with Notting Hill. Oh, really? Notting Hill is a good reference. Actually. Thank you. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry about so,
1: that. So, so okay, so I mean, your so but, your theory about the jailer is. Again, because I might have zoned I, out. I don't know if you it. I think to it.
0: that Lady Trio has put him there. I think mm-hmm. that it was a mutually agreed decision that he would go into exile. But for when you some say reason. she puts him there, she he, actually has the
1: technology or she's borrowing it from him and they're working together.
0: I think it was a collaborative effort to um, isolate him there. And why would
1: he volunteer to do that?
0: I don't know yet.
1: Because he really wanted to prove himself in this
0: utopian parallel
1: thing where it was just this virginal
0: Maybe he maybe he did it himself. Maybe he created this sort of construct where he isolated himself, and now that he's stuck there, he he changed his mind, but he can't overwrite the rules that he's set in place. So he's trying to figure out a cheat, and his cheat to his own system of this uh, prison on this Io moon of, of I Saturn. I love how you
1: just assume it's Io now because I said it, like the, the village idiot.
0: I like it. Yeah. Uh, is that he has to kind of create this workaround where he needs outside help, and so he's – He's putting out an SOS distress call to maybe Doc Manhattan, maybe to someone else who's going to see that satellite image and send you know, help. Query. But it, it couldn't it make sense? Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. no, no. Um, couldn't it make sense that what we see crashing into the field last episode in episode four in Lady Trio's field yeah, yeah, yeah. is Vite um, three years from now from this, this scene? And that it took three years for her to see that, figure out a way to rescue him and get him to crash and then buy that land. so he crashed into the land she already owns and she can contain the situation.
1: And I'll tell you what. The people who sold their land, and they mm-hmm. got a kid out of it, and mm-hmm. $5 million. I think it was $5 million, Yeah. I mean, probably the happiest characters in the whole show.
0: <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> they got a good deal out of it.
1: Yeah. They probably moved to like Healdsburg or Big Sur, like Northern California. They're just like loving it. They're in Sonoma. Right. They're having a good time. They got a kid. They can homeschool that fucker. I mean, it's it got to be nice. Right. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. Like, I think we were thinking, you know, or, like, I think last week we talked about, was it Dr. Manhattan? Obviously not, because he can transport or teleport, right? Yeah. It has to be somebody who's relying on other things. And so now if we have four more episodes or three or four. Four. Uh, well, I know, but, I mean, I wonder when he crashes down. Like, if we have that many episodes, so he's now – I mean – it it's just it's just phenomenal like his obviously he's the smartest guy in the world but it's phenomenal and i guess i wonder too okay lady trio has created this this you know polyshore biodome on the moon io i just don't understand where's that technology like they barely can do a a biodome in Tulsa or the or antarctica you're now telling me you can do a crazy sphere on a moon, I guess I just don't think he's. Uh, listen,
0: I just don't. Bro, think, put on your tinfoil hat. The no, government had stealth bombers for like, a, like half a century before they revealed it to the public. Okay, okay,
1: whatever. So <laughs> I, I, I just don't think, I just don't think he's as Fair. willing as you as you paint
0: him to be. I really don't. I don't think he's as that. Like, why would he do it? But why would he do it? Maybe. you So you think in the negotiations, it's like a gentlemanly thing where he's saying like, "Oh yes." I know that I I entered into this thinking it was going to be a paradise, but now I now I find it to be a prison. When he says a line like that, it feels like he he entered into this willingly, okay, rather than being a captive. What's
1: willing though? Like, look, if, if Manhattan tells him, we can do this the easy way or the hard way, right? I'm gonna I could kill you right now, or I could put you on the sweet game preserve of sorts, and you could live the rest of your life like in this sweet Rift Valley Serengeti type thing.
0: Fish out babies as much as you want?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, hey, he did not know the fine print when he decided. I mean, so when you say he's willing, it's like, yeah, I'm willing. Like, if you give me a shit sandwich and then a turkey sandwich, I'm going to take turkey, and I don't like mustard. You know? If you uh give me turkey, mustard, and Havarti, I don't want it, but I'm going to have that instead of the shit sandwich. So he was willing. I don't know. I guess I just don't know if he was Okay, I think Lady Triu is looking out for him, and she's working with him in a way. And obviously, she has a statue of him,
0: right? Right. But like, but that's him frozen in carbonite. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of Mandalorian, awesome. So, I mean, episode one.
1: Yeah, 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 dude. Okay, anyway, we don't. We'll, well, that'll be a different podcast. But we, we should talk about <laughs> Disney Plus. So, um, we'll do it for Patreon. No, okay. So, what did you think about the? Um, and we talked about the music a little bit. Mm-hmm question what was the music when he was on the moon moving moving bodies around in my head i'm thinking that must be an interesting song but i don't actually remember it I
0: think uh, it was classical
1: music or something
0: yeah i it was a a concerto thing that was oh, going on yeah. I, I saw in the subtitles it so it was but i didn't write it down um but him moving the bodies was very reminiscent of of black freighter as well for sure yeah this idea that um but you know bodies of, of those around him are going to be his lifeline.
1: I don't necessarily think that Vait or Vite, sorry, is losing anything. Like like the Black Freighter was a story about somebody losing their humanity to save themselves and save the others around them. Right. right. Vite's already fucking lost
0: that. He already killed three million people. Mm. I mean, maybe it was right, maybe it was wrong, I don't know. Do you but think like, this is gonna be a redemption? I mean, so far, it seems almost just as this comedic aside, We haven't – yeah, exactly. There doesn't doesn't seem to be anything that's uh, tying his plight right now to any sort of redemption for his his transgressions and murdering millions. We
1: haven't seen anything as clean cut as a redemption story, right? I mean, everybody has their – these reasons and it's it's complicated and nothing's clean. I mean, just like looking at a Looking Glass, whenever he threw away the alarm system and then he comes back for it thirty seconds later, right? I mean, so a redemption story to me would seem. I don't know if it's like weak storytelling because this has been a great. I mean, this is an awesome episode. Um, I couldn't do it. You couldn't. Well, I don't know. You're really good. But uh, <laughs> thanks, man. You know, I just mean to say, a redemption story just seems a little bit too wrapped up. You know. I don't know if we're going to get that, and I wonder if we're going to get. And you, it was interesting that you said earlier that you read that by episode uh, seven, we should kind of have all the facts, right?
0: I I mean, I wouldn't say all the facts, but I I think the idea is that like it's going to have enough information that you're not going to feel so hung up on that mystery as you're going to want the when you say that
1: mystery, what mystery? The we have a multitude
0: of, of lingering mysteries oh, okay. aren't going to be so heavy. But I this wants this leads me to want to kind of go on another rant about um viewing audiences and how modern day shows like this are are communicating with us. Okay. It's, it's not simple it's not enough. It's not enough listening audience that you just watch this show. There is a wealth of other information. That goes into this, and I, I think that in in a uh, to a, a huge degree, it's actually pretty integral to the story. The stuff that they are putting out on PDpedia, the um, ancillary material, the like reading the the backstory, I think all of this really feeds into the narrative. The the stuff that they included in the um, Pale Horse um, little bio document, I think that that. Also, like feeds into a lot of what's going on with this and answers some of the questions that like people might feel have not been answered just by watching the show. And this is this is the same problem that I, I feel like a lot of people belly ached about with Lost, where they're like, "Oh, but they didn't answer about the polar bears." I'm like, "Fuck, they did. They answered it in the show a little, but they also answered it in much more depth um, it, through the ancillary material. The the if you guys went online and you." You played the game. If you actually wanted to know the answer to these, they answered them. They gave you these things. And like for people to be like, ah, it's it just like, I, I should be able to get everything just from this one source. Well, then let the mystery be just like oh in leftovers, man. Right. Yeah,
1: Absolutely beautiful. I mean, well said, well put. I could <laughs> was not it have... well said? No. I don't know if it was well said. That was but absolutely well said. And it let me was say, passionate. Let me say this. Like, you know, sorry to be self help clay
0: here. And I know people are tuning off. Rubio just chimed in. Uh, our friend Rubio said uh, the music was La Cremosa from Mozart's Requiem. That's what it was playing uh, on, on. What does
1: that uh Can you ask Rubio uh, what it. that means in Italian or Latin? What
0: Cremosa means? I can just look it up for us. Oh, sorry. Well, well, I mean, okay, I just go to sorry. Google Friends. I interrupted no, you.
1: But I guess I mean to say, sorry to be self help clay here, right? But we all have different, like, we eat different foods. We have different amounts of money, we have different family uh, friend values. We have all these different things. The one thing that we have that's constant and it's the same is time. We all have the same amount of time, right. So if you do spend if you do choose to spend your time not just watching the show, but also delving into the Wikipedia references and delving into the historical stuff and all the the, the, the beautiful references and like the pedipedia stuff, and then if there's like a soundtrack, and you want to ex- expend your time and spend your time that way, beautiful. That's your choice and love it and appreciate it. And, of course, it's not going to be – the person who's creating it is not you. So, of course, it might not satisfy you in all ways. But, good Lord, we only have a certain amount of time. So choose to spend your time wisely and then enjoy it because we're going to fucking die. So, like, have a good time. (laughs) No, like – well, you
0: know what I mean, though? Like, if you don't like the show, don't watch it. Exactly. But if you're going to get that upset –
1: Exactly, I mean, we can, and we can all complain. Like, I, like I literally said, "Huh, the one scene where uh, Looking Glass leaves the Methodist Church was a little slow." <laughs> you know, <laughs> but like, if I really hated it, I would not watch it. And I, have you know, we can tr- we can stop. We can not read the ends of books. We can stop watching movies. La cremosa uh, is Latin for weeping. Okay, I kind of, you know, you know what's interesting?
0: Yeah, I thought that, and uh, uh, I didn't think <laughs> that. <laughs> um, it's like how he was weeping under his mask. Uh, when he looking, was looking glasses oh okay. under his mask well way. I mean
1: yeah okay so what was the I want to ask you this because we've kind of been going off the deep end which I think is fun in an episode that was this good it kind of just lends itself to like just crazy you know it's fine theorizing what was your because I short
0: episode we're doing here
1: what was your most surprising character and by this I mean most unexpected character and listen I don't want to set you up here so I'm going to be really honest it might not be a – well, no, actually, it's a living character. It might not be a m- mammal. <laughs> it's just something. yours. No, no, listen. You want me to have your same answer. Is what you mean. No. Okay. Okay, yeah. Okay, but listen. Here's what I mean to say. <laughs> okay. Sometimes if you watch something, okay, right. the silence between two characters can be a character in and of itself, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a door – if somebody's really afraid, and they're, it's like a horror movie, and they're like, or like, what's behind the closet, you know, or like, you know what I mean, like the closet slat, like
0: uh, the, the char- its a character unto itself, yeah.
1: Okay, duh, the answer's fucking obvious now. But what's the character and was really it was interesting about, you know? Tell me. No, I, I want you to seriously answer the cactus. The cactus at the end—the way he had, the way they had the camera up, and there he's looking at the He's looking at the cactus, thinking, like, fuck, do I sell her out? That cactus became the third character in that scene with Angela Abar, looking glass and the cactus.
0: Sure, but I'm not wrong. You act like it's like a foregone conclusion. I'm gonna say the cactus is like
1: the character. No, no, no. I just said what character was the most unexpected character, and it was not a mammal. (laughs) I mean, like, there's not that many fucking characters. If we think about it that way, I the cactus gonna... is the only the lettuce sandwich. I don't know. Okay, I guess I could have said. <laughs> well, no, that wasn't a good one. That was probably second place. Okay, thanks. <laughs> but that cactus you had. I guess I mean to say this, right? And this is dumb. And I, it, I guess I'm sorry. It was too long to say this, but in the precinct, when he's ratting on Sister Knight, right? And he looks at the cactus multiple times and he doesn't know if he should do it. And then he does it. We see him put the mask back on. And this time, he's not putting the mask on out of anxiety like he was the rest of the episode. He's not putting it on out of fear. He's putting it on out of fucking guilt. Shame. And shame. And you know what? So Lori was right one episode or two ago when she said you put a mask on to hide. And for the first time, he's not hiding from some dumb psychic link. He's fucking hiding from himself and his own actions, and that's what makes the show so good. And so when you see him do that, you're like, fuck, he's guilty, and he feels bad, and it's shameful, and he knows what he did, but he had to do it because of his own questions. And well, so anyway, th- that's all I want to say. Dude, okay, that is
0: – that's deep. important to talk about, too, deep. though. it's deep. But because you look at it as him selling her out, Uh huh. and I look at it as him saving her. Uh-huh. Because – the Senator Keene knows who she is. He knows her family. Oh, he right, just yeah. her kill, directly, kill family, yeah. we will kill her and her whole family unless you sell her out and make her the fall guy. And what he did was save her family. And I think I think his understanding of her is a degree of trust. I don't think he feels good about what he had to do. Okay, there we go. Yeah, But yeah, I, I think agree. at the same time, he knew that it was the lesser of two evils of what he had to do. So I don't think that he betrayed her necessarily. Yeah. It's it's in that moral gray area that yeah. he like I had to I had to have you admit to these crimes and you are in custody now so that your family is safe. That is the better option for you and at the same time I think when he said to her tell me what's going on cuz I want I want to help you. I want to know. Yeah. Sure, he knew the cactus is listening.
1: But at the same time, I think... say that again.
0: He knew the cactus was listening. Yeah, that's the best line of the whole podcast. (laughs) He knew the cactus was listening. But he also... I think he genuinely wants to help her. I think he believes in what she's doing. I think he's conflicted right now because he's been thrown a whole lot of emotional curveballs for a person who's been seriously damaged through his life by all of this trauma. And then having... Adrian Veidt, say, like, hey, I'm in I'm in com- complete collaboration with President cahoots. Redford.
1: Cahoots, you say. Cahoots. Yeah.
0: With President Redford, who I put in that position, and you want to piss off um, conspiracy theorist redneck white trash? Um, say that the liberal president is in cahoots with the guy who killed 3 million, five, five, 50 million people or whatever it was. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's going to do it. That's going to mobilize the cell. It's like crazy.
1: No, you're right. He didn't have a good option. I mean, but definitely you would agree that whenever he pulled the the mask down,
0: he was kind of like, "Fuck, I'm over I, this." I totally agree. I yeah. think that's a, that's a great point. It, w- it was it was a guilt move. It wasn't a um it wasn't uh protecting myself from the ra- radiation or this is my skin. It was I want to hide myself for a minute.
1: Yeah. No, I think you're right. That's a great point. I mean, at the end of the episode, does he have an answer to either of his questions? What's true, and what am I afraid of? I would say the answer is no. He doesn't have a clear answer of of either of those, and it might not matter because he might be about to he's about to be shotgunned to death. Right? Jesus, I don't know. You know, I mean this was a this was a complex. It was an interesting. I mean, you know, lo- looking glass look back kind of episode where we just focus on this one character. But what got resolved?
0: Did anything get resolved to you? Well, we know that Judd, yeah. alongside Keane, are yeah. both actually active in the 7th Cavalry. It's, it's resolved that the 7th Cavalry are um, putting theatrics into their their persona and shooting in a, a fake studio in front of a church because they want that to be part of the mythology of who they are. We know that um, Captain Metropolis and Hooded Justice were hardcore fucking. <laughs> <laughs> which seems important to put in there, and it seems like uh, well, now we, the now we know why the warnings were there. the jabs. Now we know why the warnings were there. Yeah, like hey, we're we're gonna we're gonna show some some ramcore here. Uh, wait, 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 wait. Is that called <laughs> ramcore? <laughs> no.
1: What are you doing every day while I'm at work? Stop. <laughs> are you on Urban Dictionary? Uh, I wanted to go into my Cube's moment. Uh, I, okay, nice segue.
0: Uh, and, 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 it's a an evasive like, maneuver, actually. Yeah, and I would like to hear your huge moment. My my uh, moment was the phrase squid pro quo." Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like
1: that. Was my was like my second place
0: when Keen says, "I want want to have a squid pro quo." I thought that was such a cute and clever line in this. And the idea was was the the quid pro quo was for um, him to take Angela out of the picture, sell her out and make her be the fall guy for the murder um, in order to kind of clear up that whole investigation. And hopefully, I I would assume, uh, the end goal is to have um, Lori Blake out of there because I bet Senator Keene is much more afraid of the FBI and Lori Blake being involved in the picture here. Deep state. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I I love that. And I think that how how powerful and how prevalent the term quid pro quo currently is Mm – just completely played in their favor. I wonder if this was like a
1: – Like one of the South Park things where they like – Like last it like minute a week before, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And they like did a reshoot or if like it just kind of was kismet. Because I'm sure they shot this a little bit ago given like how HBO kind of rolls out the shows.
1: Yeah, I mean which we don't really need to use that phrase because there are such more apt phrases to use other than quid pro quo. Well, you're a lawyer. I'm not. Like bribery.
0: <laughs> <laughs> bribery. Words. Like
1: extortion. I uh, like admitting it on camera every other day and on a tweet. Um, no,
0: but so, but but speaking of admitting things, uh-huh. I, I thought it was actually oh yeah okay Go more ahead. more endearing that Sister Knight admits. What she knew to um, Looking Glass about like all of what, what – like she confided in him at his desk like, look, I think my grandfather did it, but he's 100 years old. He couldn't have possibly done it. I did hide the evidence. And that's – She straight up confesses because she trusts that And guy. that's what I thought was so beautiful. I
1: mean, okay, and also looking at the the scope and kind of like sphere we're working with here, right? Last episode, last week, I thought her story was so huge. It was so – international. We're learning about the Vietnam War and everything like that, right? Mm. It was like, and then here is this podunk guy from Oklahoma that lives in a bunker. We're like, eh, fuck him. You know what I mean? And now we go to well not fuck him in a negative way, but it's like, <laughs> it's like, okay, he's kind of small potatoes.
0: Fuck him in like a positive, like a justice, justice way. Yeah. Like don't turn right? your head
1: when I'm giving it to you, but just trust <laughs> that I'm giving it to you. So yeah, so we're looking at. Now we look at Whenever she said that I kind of thought Okay, beautiful moment that she's admitting something to him, but also, oh, my God, she's like small potatoes, and now he's the one who's in this, like, like multi-level multi governmental conspiracy, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like right. Now, all of a sudden, st- her stuff seems like small potatoes, and it's not. And it's just this great storytelling where he can just expand characters' stories to these levels that are just totally engrossing, you know? So I don't know. Um, it was really good. I liked it. Another thing, another kind of fan thing was whenever he sat in front of all the screens. Um, I'm talking about obviously Looking Glass, Wade, in the mall or warehouse, wherever he's in front of all the TV uh, screens, right?
0: Right. Adrian Vite. Kind of like screen. the Vite throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Whenever he's saying, hey, I have this small disc, which, again, I don't know why they have discs, but I guess the reparations committee. Not reparations. What's it called? Because Appropriations.
0: There was, there was this um, huge uh, Luddite – rejection of a lot of technology for a while because they were afraid of oh okay um of the cancerous effects or like whatever was potentially talking to the aliens. They talked about the in the P D P D. Oh files. thank you I was gonna say I don't have that access but, okay, um, cool. But yeah. but also cool. you're a you're a Luddite yourself so you should completely So he had yeah he <laughs> had fair. a Nintendo GameCube disc
1: okay right. and um <laughs> yeah he had an SSX tricky disc which <laughs> Was that not one of the best fucking games, man? (laughs) SSX Tricky was so good on the GameCube. So he has this disc, and I remember thinking, fuck. That's when I really thought. This is like Lost. You know what I mean? Like when we see the basketballs shooting around, I was like, this feels like Lost. It felt so good. Right. And I thought, god damn, he's going to put the disc in, and then it's going to cut to somebody else, and we're not going to see it. But then when it stuck on Vite, I was like... Oh, this is like a fan indulgent. This felt like Game of Thrones like last season, just seeing dragons like crazy. It just he was indulging us. Cause I did you expect to actually see Vite talking?
0: I knew Vite was gonna was going to be talking. No. You know what I thought? I thought it was actually gonna be the interview, the interrogation with Lori. I thought they were gonna have that oh, on fuck tape. No. I thought it was gonna be her saying, here's what happened. No, 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 no. I didn't think that Vite himself was gonna be admitting to it, and that was the evidence they had. I thought it was Vi, but I sure. love how, I love how they de-aged him. He looked really good. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, I totally didn't think it was gonna be him. Let me ask you this: Have you seen Captain Marvel? Yeah. How do they de-age? What's his name? Uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Have they they they've been doing it in all the Marvel movies, man. Okay, oh, I don't know. I, mean, I don't pay that much. Remember attention. they they do skinny little uh, scrawny looking. Uh, uh steve rogers when they took chris evans and put him oh, in that little body yeah yeah yeah, then yeah they yeah. had little baby face oh, I, I thought that was uh, a different actor robert downey jr no that, that was him his face on the, like a different person's Holy body smokes I, I had no idea robert okay. downey jr uh they they de-aged him for that one scene in um uh civil war okay and yeah they, they've they been doing that so they're and just like, good at that they're really good at it and then you look at will smith in aladdin you're like is that also disney oh, i haven't seen that <laughs> that would not look as good
1: I haven't seen that. Yeah. Okay. I I didn't. Okay. Thank you for answering that about yeah. Captain Marvel. Anyway. Um yeah, no. Really good scene. I I was surprised they did that and uh yeah, pretty wild. I mean, now the, I mean, again, this was like if you haven't watched if you haven't read the comics, like go
0: back and read them, you know? I mean, it's not going to take that much time. It's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh okay. I think we can go ahead and put a pin on this. How long have we been talking here? It's been a hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think
1: we've all decided that it's IO for
0: sure. It's it's
1: definitely IO and he said save med mm-hmm. and cuz he was thinking about club med. Club med or our Medicare system. And uh, no, I mean I'm I'm excited. Do you know okay, so you know the preview, don't ruin things for me. The next one you say is going to be kind of a throwback on Angela. Yeah. Are we going to see Vietnam and stuff like when she's a kid? It's Angela taking a bunch of
0: do you want me to say? Like what I saw uh eight words. Uh, nostalgia <laughs> – you're counting. Nostalgia pills take Angela into Will Reeves' memories. Whoa, not bad. Ah, eh? Okay, eight words. Had to count it. That's our haiku. I mean,
1: kind of.
0: <laughs> it's not haiku. Hey, but... dude,
1: good talking with you. Uh, obviously, this week you mentioned we might have something great with a certain – celebrity
0: uh well yeah we we might uh, have an interview on Tuesday with Carly Ray we'll we'll try and put that up right away after we get it locked down um but we want to thank you guys for tuning into this episode if that doesn't pan out uh apologies for the tease no if
1: that doesn't pan out you still have my article on Wednesday or Thursday yeah so um,
0: so if you guys are queued in to our patreon that's patreoncom pods the watchman we appreciate all the support we are putting up um, supplemental information and material of our own over there so we I, want to say thanks to you guys who've already supported us and encourage other people to do it because we are trying to um, build our own sort of cult oh i was
1: gonna <laughs> say just pay pay for the beer and cider we're trying to pay and, for the beer and, 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 and scotch
0: cider, but build uh, and for the hosting But and, and obviously so. i know that you
1: pay attention to social media in a way i do not because i don't have any but if you if people want to like obviously chime in i know we've really appreciated that what you're about to tell people to slide i know i no one's sliding it anywhere i know what you're gonna say it's cold right now it's kind of getting towards winter i know you don't want anyone sliding into anything uh but i know that like obviously we've got some really good comments and feedback from people so we yeah. really appreciate it and it's a lot of fun this is the whole point of this
0: so if people have stuff like that please keep it going yeah um we appreciate all of your support, guys. And we will be back again um, with a midweek check-in w- check for our, Just the Podcast. And our video series will be back uh, next Sunday. Looking forward to it. And that's kind of getting close to Thanksgiving. Yeah. So, awesome. Have a good night. All right. Bye, guys.